Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I'm glad to be back on the podcast today. I'm on the ministry team here. Uh, this is uh, was Sunday. This Sunday was message two of four in a new series entitled All In. And, of course, we're in Matthew 9, focusing on those uh, really key verses, 35 through 38. But I want to welcome you. I I know we get uh, a lot of new listeners on a regular basis, so we're glad that you are tuning in. And uh, if we can help you in any way, we'd love to do so. Our our goal and hope each week is to try to equip you, challenge you, help you activate your faith. Uh, I want to thank Alex uh, for pinch hitting last week. Uh, Alex, if you're listening, you did a great job. Really appreciate that and all that you do here at Journey to make great ministry possible. You do a great job. I appreciate it. Pastor Christian, good to be back on the podcast with you. Good to have you back. Hope your time away was good. Hopefully you celebrated your wife and her birthday well. Yes, yes, we did. I won't tell you how old she is. I'm not allowed to do that. But she is super, super young at heart. We had a, we had a really we had a really great time together. So we've been married 22 years. We had we had a good time and yes, yeah, celebrate a little early birthday for her. Nice. So, Pastor, this week's message is is really the heart of what we see of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Jesus having tremendous compassion on people, uh, for people. Uh, your first point of the message is compassion and care. And you make a statement that's tied to what you read in James two fifteen and 16. So the statement is this, when you care from the gut, your heart and hands go to work. Why is this essential for Jesus' people if they're going to have an impact in the lives of people in their community? Well, I would say this. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the message, you need to go back and listen, because this is the first message uh, in more than 10 years at our church, nearly 500 times I've preached at our church that I got to use the words uh, diarrhea and constipation in a quote on the screen, um, as, nice. as we described, as Michelle laughs um, in the background, as we described the biblical word of compassion that literally means, uh, because we, we, know, um, we, know, we know from the medical world today that stress, you can feel deeply, stress impacts your gut. Um, when you feel things deeply, it literally physically impacts your gut. That's the, that's the word for compassion in Scripture, that you feel something so deeply that it physically moves you. And we said Jesus loved from the gut. Like when he, when he saw hurt, he felt hurt. When he saw pain, he felt pain. When he saw, saw depression, he, like he, he felt how hurting people were. And I, I, think, I think in the church today, we, we would ask the question, compassion or care? And we would say, no, no, no. Biblically, it is compassion and care. Because where there is no care, there is no compassion. And where there is compassion, there is care. You can't biblically feel compassion without doing something about it. You're, you're moved. So I think it's essential for Jesus' people to realize, like, like James said, right? I mean, J- James, Jesus' little brother, is writing either the first or second letter of the New Testament chronologically, most likely. That's what scholars believe, that either Galatians was the f- earliest letter written, and then James, or James was early, and then Galatians. Those were one of the first two. And to the, I mean, to the first Christian Christians that ever had like a letter written to him trying to activate their faith, he was like, listen, um, you can't just listen to the word and not do anything. You can't say that you have faith and not care. 
because faith always has action. Show me your faith and concern for people without doing anything for them. And I'll show you mine by what I do. Basically, he's saying like, the only way you can prove you have compassion is by caring for someone. And I think a lot of people in the world today would say the church has a very, very good lip service of the heart. They don't have much life service with their hands. And I think if the, if the community saw the church serving with their life and hands as much as they saw the church talking with their lips about what they had a heart for, they might take, they might take our mission and our ministry a little more seriously. So, you know, this, this series that we're in is called Jesus People. This is the fifth message of that series, the second week in a row on realization number four, that it takes all of us to do the work of Jesus. We see Jesus as we, as we kind of did a little bit of research with the Jewish historian Josephus, who said there could have been up to three million people in Galilee at the time of Jesus. Matthew says in Matthew 9, 35, that Jesus went into every town and village in, Ga- in Galilee. Josephus says that there were more than 200 towns and villages in Galilee, and the smallest had 15,000 people. So you do some math, and it's like, there, there may have been three million people. Jesus had 12 apostles. He was saying, us 12, we need some help. So everyone who says they feel what we feel needs to get to work, because there's a lot of work to do. And Ryan, there continues to be a lot of work to do. The good news is there are probably less people in Kansas City in 2021 than there were in Galilee in 21, and we got a whole lot more than 12 disciples. So we should be able to make a pretty good dent if our compassion turns into care. And with Jesus' people, it should, um, and hopefully it does. That actually leads into our next question really well. You followed up that statement with another statement. Real compassion is revealed by care or exposed yeah. by inaction. So yeah. what, what should someone do if they discover that more often than, than not, their response is inaction? So let's, let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt here. Um, and, and let's use a phrase that I used to have used on me all the time. Um, I used, I used to be told all the time by my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, um, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Uh, we would every now and then, if it was a really, really, really good day, we had two buffets in the little town that I grew up in. Um, grew up in Bainbridge, Ohio. We went to church in a, in a town called Chillicothe, Ohio, a town of about 30,000 people. We had a Godfather's Pizza that had a Sunday buffet after church, and we had a Ponderosa. Oh. that had a Sunday buffet after church. They and, may have asked me to leave some of those places yeah, before. <laughs> yeah, so, so two out of four Sundays, mom makes lunch at home. We come home and we eat lunch. But every now and then a family in the church invites us out and we get to go out and hang out. And like I would hit the buffet and I would come back, even as a child, with an obnoxious amount of food. And my mom and dad would be like, listen, just go, like your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Like, you can go back like it's a buffet you you don't have to get 23 pieces of pizza on your first trip and one of each type of dessert pizza like you can go back so let's so let's give let's give followers of Jesus the benefit of the doubt i think a lot of time our eyes are way bigger than our heart and we see so much need that we don't know where to start so we don't start anywhere so i think a lot of times it is 
it's having the mindset of Mother Teresa, who when she was asked, like, how can you think you accomplish anything when you when you look out across the slums of New Delhi, India? Like, how in the world can you believe you accomplish anything? And she says, um, I help one person and I start with the one closest to me. Like, just one at a time. So giving followers of Jesus the benefit of the doubt, I would say you cannot read everything on social media. You cannot watch everything on your news feed. You cannot... You cannot take advantage of every opportunity offered to you in church. You just can't. Like, no one has time to do everything. Everyone has time to do something. No one should do nothing. And I think what, what we do is we get into the, well, I'm overcommitted. And, and it might be true um, because I'm trying to serve at school and I'm trying to serve in the community. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to help my neighbor and I've got this and job. And then I got a side gig and it's like, whoa. So let's shape our life around the priorities of Jesus. And let's, like, one of the priorities of Jesus, we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we're also constantly going to be aware of needs around us. So I'm just going to pick, I'm going to pick one area, and this year when I see a need, I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to budget out an area. I'm going to put, every time I get paid, I'm going to put $50 in one of my Dave Ramsey envelopes that is um, impulse, that basically is, is impulse need money. Anytime I hear this someone has a need and my heart thinks I'd like to help. I'm going to go to that envelope and I'm going to, I'm going to help. Like I'm, so I'm going to, I'm going to have a plan, a limited scope and a plan that when my heart thinks I should do something, my hands have the ability, they're not already full and they have a pocket with something that can help. I just think we got to start small and we got to start now. I love what Wayne Cordero, the pastor um, in Hawaii that's written so many books and, and done so much. Um, I think it's New Life Church, maybe New Life or New Hope. I think it's New Life Church uh, in Hawaii says, um, in everything in your Christian, like start small, start now, start small, start now. So I, th- I think we've got to say, um, I want to do a lot. I can't do everything. So I find myself not doing anything. Okay, you're not a bad person, but you are doing a bad job being the hands and feet of Jesus. So start small, start now. Have a plan, have a pocket, always leave one hand empty. And when you have an impulse where the Holy Spirit says you could help, go home and help, like just help in that moment, help. And then when the next impulse comes along and the Holy Spirit says, help, help again, uh, start small, start now. No one can do everything. Everyone can do something. Nobody should do nothing. That, that, that is, that should be like the mantra of your faith. And I think find some people you enjoy doing it with. Uh, yeah, There's nothing better yes. than grabbing a group of people, no a doubt. group of friends, neighbors. Let's go surf together. No doubt. Um, I, I think people look forward to that. And, and Ryan, if you have that plan together, hey, let's all put $100 a month. To get, either we'll do it together or we'll do it each. Well, if you, you know, if you got five families putting $100 a month, by the end of the year, you've got six grand. It's like, hey, we could replace a, a deck for that single mom. Um, we could repaint um, the house for this family that... Uh, has lost their job. Um, we could help buy someone a car. We could put new tires um, on this team. Like there's like you could you do a lot, right? I mean, if you get a couple people to just do a little bit, and you're real intentional, you could do a lot to help people. Yeah, you sure can, and have more fun doing it. Yes, um, you unpacked in your message the Greek word for harassed as being flayed or skinned. Uh, you you shared that it it often gave the idea of b- being battered, bruised, mangled, worn out, exhausted. Uh, some of the greatest helpers of uh, of people at our church and, and really at many churches are those who've been been through so much difficulty and, and come out on the other side with huge hearts of compassion. Why why do you think this is often the case? 
And that, I mean, that's a that's a really good question. Um, they say in psychology that often hurt people will hurt people. But honestly, when you're looking for healing, a lot of times hurt people can really bring healing to people just by sharing their story, sharing their life, talking about their scars. Um, I think people who have been through difficult times and made it through, most of them have made it through because of Jesus and somebody, some church, some ministry, some small group that stepped into their life, and they just realize how indispensable it is. And it's almost a pay-it-forward mentality of, I know what it took for me to get through this difficult season in my life, and I can now not wait to help somebody else do that. I think there's there's also tremendous safety and a real a real lack and removal of shame when I'm walking through a tough time and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I did... I went through the exact same thing. Then instead of trying to figure out, like, are they judging me for where I am? You're thinking they know exactly where, regardless of why I am, why I'm, why I am where I am. They've been here too. Um, and I just think there's, there's almost a camaraderie. There's a camaraderie of pain that allows you to, to walk together. It's why some of the, some of the tightest family units on planet earth are SEAL teams because they go through the training together, they hurt together, they nearly die together, and then they're almost inseparable. Like there's something about walking through suffering together that bonds your soul like nothing else. And Jesus looked at the world and says, they're harassed and helpless. The greatest thing about Jesus seeing harassed people is he became harassed. He was, he was flayed. He was broken open. Like we look at the word harass, flayed or skinned. Jesus had his back flayed open. He was skinned by a cat of nine tails. He was battered. He was bruised. He was mangled. His body was worn out. His life was exhausted. He gets it. So to have people in our life who have walked through that is huge. But to have Jesus in our life who chose to walk through becoming someone who was harassed so he could help us when we are harassed. Gives us a savior that we can look to, cling to, identify with, and have, and have hope in. So not only does Jesus walk with us as one who was harassed, Jesus' people who've been harassed, walking with harassed people, just have the ability to say, like, keep going. Listen, I've run this race, and right after this hill, there's a down, there's a long downhill patch. Right around this curve, the road really, really opens up. Right around this next bend, there's a place where we can get a drink. Like, if you can say, I ran this race already, and I know you feel like you can't make it, but I'm telling you, there are places along the way where you're going to find hope, and the greatest of those is in a relationship with Jesus because he went through all this so he could identify with you. It doesn't keep us from being harassed. It helps us keep going when we are. You know, it's interesting, the follow-up talks about, you know, uh, where their strength comes from, right, as Jesus people. Jesus tells us in, in John fourteen sixteen this really great stretch of, of Scripture, just this yeah. segment, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So our helper is the Holy Spirit, and, and with his strength and guidance, we can help others. We can carry each other's burdens. You do a great job talking about that in the message. At, at Journey, we want to shepherd hurting people, but we also want we also want to build up people so they can shepherd each other. You had a, a bunch of great key questions here that I really enjoyed in this section of your message, 
And I've got a couple of questions based on those. Why, why is this important as Jesus' people to realize that others around us need fed and shepherded? And what can Jesus' people do to feed, uh, to be fed and feed others? Yeah, I thought, I thought this was an, an interesting piece of, of just this text in the learning, the sheep and the shepherd, mm-hmm. which was point three of our message. Uh, and to see that Jesus was described as a sheep and a shepherd. Um, the, the Old Testament um, described Jesus in Isaiah 53. He was a sheep before shears that was silent. But then in Micah 5, 2 and 4, he's someone who comes to shepherd his people. It's like, wait a minute, is he a sheep or is he a shepherd? Both. And then Jesus refers to his disciples as sheep and shepherd. He says in Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they're going to strike the shepherd and all the sheep are going to be shattered, uh, are going to be scattered. But then he comes right back around to uh, Peter, who was one of those sheep that was scattered and says, I need you to be a shepherd. I need you to feed and take care of the lambs. I, I think we have to see ourselves as people... Um, who are feeding, but whose purpose is to feed others. In Ezekiel 34, I mean, Ezekiel does an amazing job of of not thinning the herd, but of really defining the herd. In In Ezekiel 34, he actually starts with the shepherds, and he talks to the prophets and the priests who had basically sold themselves out to become false prophets and false priests for the nobility because they took really good care of them. It's like, you tell us what we want to hear, and we'll make your life really, really nice. So in the beginning of Ezekiel 34, he's like, man, these, these priests and prophets who can be bought, no good. God's going to wipe out these shepherds who aren't, who, who aren't leading the sheep well. But then he turns and he says, now I want to talk to the flock because there's some big old fat, heavy sheep. And there's some little thin sheep. And when I watch you, he's like, there are some sheep that always get to the feeding trough early and they don't, even, they don't only eat what they need, they trample all the grass that everyone else needs too. And they don't, even, they don't only drink what they need, they muddy all the water. Like they're only concerned with feeding and watering themselves. Ryan, there are a lot of sheep at Journey like that. As long as they are getting their grass, their water, they're fine. They really don't care on who around them is being served and serviced, who's skinny, who's thirsty, who's hungry. It's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. And Ezekiel speaks to the flock and says, God's going to deal with you. God's going to deal with you who think it's just about you, who think it's show up, have your meal, feel full, go home fat and happy. You have to be aware of the other sheep. You are a sheep that has to be aware of the other sheep. You are a sheep that has to be aware of the other sheep because you're a strong sheep. Be aware of weak sheep. You're a fed sheep. Be aware of hungry sheep. You're a watered sheep. Be, be aware of thirsty sheep. Like you are a sheep who needs to be aware of sheep. And if we can learn, one, to feed ourselves, right? If, if we can learn to have our greatest meals at home on our own, with our study Bible open in front of us and our journal and our devotional and maybe a commentary or two. And every day we're feeding ourselves from God's word, a fine five course meal. We, we can on our own stay fit and strong. And then when we come to church, we can let others go first in line because like we're not starving and we still want to come and eat, but like we're making sure that the skinny, small, hungry, thirsty sheep get their grass and water first. And then when they're done, we feed. So I ask our people, do you come to church to eat 
or to feed, to eat for yourself or to feed others? And the answer is both. Like, yeah. hopefully we have a lot of people that it's both. Like, I come to church to be fed, but I also want to feed others. So I want to, I want to feed other people, but then I want to eat too. And very specifically in this message, we're talking about people speaking into the next generation. We're looking, we're looking for leaders. Like, we have too many leaders who are obsessed with eating spiritually, but like they won't go tell a little kid about Jesus. Like those of you who want to sit in all three services, you can hear the message three times. Like, I'm glad you're getting so fat and happy spiritually. Why don't you take some of that knowledge that you have and go teach an eight-year-old who Jesus is? That may be more beneficial for the kingdom of God if you think about the kingdom of God, not just the kingdom of you. Um, So that like Ezekiel 34, man, like he calls out fat sheep who only think about their own spiritual diet. And we're going to do, and we do that a little bit at Journey this week. We just say, listen, man, like if you're one of those that's strong and healthy and fit, that's awesome. Um, Come and feed, but like be a protector of the young and hungry and thirsty and let's make sure they get fed. Um, And then let's, and then let's go get ours. We'll be all right. Yeah. I keep having this picture. We're not bodybuilder sheep. In other words, look at my muscles, look at my muscles, look at my muscles. Do something with them. Right. Get strong. Right. Great. Get strong. Right. Do something with it. Yes. Go help us. Yes. Many people have heard of um, preventative medicine. Take care of yourself, strengthen your body, and you may have a better chance of not getting sick or injured. And you share a quote by Frederick Douglass. I love this. It says, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So you, you talked about the next generation. Why is it so important that Jesus' people focus on the next generation? I think one of the I think one of the things that made the ministry of Jesus and the Apostle Paul specifically so very, very, very effective is they neither one planned to be doing ministry very long term. Their plan was to develop others who could develop others to do the ministry. Like there was there was this time sensitive, I'm developing you to develop someone who can do the ministry. Like they they knew the lasting part of the ministry would be the generation below them that they, that they poured into. So Jesus had these 12 disciples. The Apostle Paul was always traveling with someone almost a generation younger than him. There was just this thought that my faith walk is not about me here and now. It was about Jesus then, now, and forever. So someone made sure it got to me. Um, and we need to think of the Bible we carry as a baton, not just a Bible. Like this is not just something that's been handed to me for me. The race doesn't end with me. I'm just a long, I'm one link in a very, very, very long chain. And the success of my faith is not what I understand or how I live, but who I produce a disciple making disciple. And I think we've always, we've always got to be looking at the next generation um, you know, I heard someone say, you always need to have three people in your life. You need to have a mentor, a generation ahead of you. You need to have a friend, your generation. Then you need to have somebody, an apprentice or somebody you're discipling a generation behind. If every Christian in the history of the world would do that, you'd have this unbroken chain from the cross of Jesus to the throne of Jesus in eternity. So I think it's just real important for us to, to be able, uh, those of us who, who know how to feed well in the word of God, we need to be able to learn how to cut that up and give it to a generation right behind us um, and not just teach them to eat, but teach them to cook 
and then teach them to cut and teach them to give that to somebody else. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and until we're all with Jesus. I, th- I think that's real criti- a real critical thing to learn. Your faith has never just been about you and now. It was always about him from the cross to the throne and being a part, being a part of that chain that receives and gives. Kind of leads into our, our next question. We, we've been ending with this question of, about discipleship and how would we take what we've learned and pass it on to somebody else. So you've given a lot of great action steps already, but what, what from this message would you want our audience to share with someone? Um, two things, uh, and, and it's an either or, so one or the other. Um, one, develop a plan of care. Followers of Jesus have compassion. I mean, you feel, you feel, you feel in your gut. Like we feel in our gut. It just often doesn't get to our hands. So develop a plan of action for, for 2022. We're, we're recording this particular podcast um, in November. So as you look at January of the next year, develop, develop a plan of care that says, when my gut speaks to my heart, my hand does X. Develop a plan of care. Or, um, or find someone harassed and helpless and help them carry their burden. I'd like do one of those things now. Develop a care, and I love what you said, with a group of people. Develop a care with a group of people to respond to your gut. Um, When your gut tells your heart, we should care about this, do something. Or find somebody harassed and helpless right now and go help them carry their burden until they can carry it on their own again. Great, uh, great advice, and we hope you'll activate it. We hope you'll do it. Uh, Pray on it. God will lead you to make a difference in the lives of other people. Pastor Christian, thanks. Again, it's good to be back on the podcast. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, if it's your first time, we'd love for you to rate us. It always is helpful if you would uh, rate us on uh, wherever you found us. Uh, we'd also love for you, again, you can download the message to be sure to listen to that. It'll help you as we're talking through the points. Uh, but we want to always help you activate your faith. If you have a question for us or if we can do something for us, if you're a hurting person that needs something, you can uh, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'd love to respond and help you any way we can. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.